Greetings to my lovely audience. My name is Sylvan. I use he, him pronouns, and welcome back to LGBTQSU. It's the second episode. I'm super excited. I think the first one went really well, actually. Um, so be sure to go listen to that if you haven't, because it's very important to understand what the podcast is about. But as a recap, last time we talked all about me. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about my experience as a queer person and my life and what led me to making this podcast and also just introduced what the podcast is going to be about. So even if you don't want to listen to me talk about myself for a half hour, at least go listen to the first couple of minutes of that episode in order to understand what's going on. But anyway, just as a recap and to affirm it, I will state the mission statement in this episode. So the mission statement for the podcast is to create a space for conversation, education, and relation among other LGBTQ students, the SU community, and beyond. So this, my friends, this episode, is our first educational segment. It's our first educational episode. This time, we will be talking about all the terms and phrases that you should know as an LGBTQ person or ally, especially as a listener of this podcast. Now, important caveat. I say all the terms. It's not all of them. This list is far from exhaustive, but it's a really good it's a really good start and that way you also understand what I'm talking about as a listener of this podcast because who wants to listen to a podcast where you have no idea what's being talked about? That's not very fun. <laughs> so, anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. So the first thing we're going to discuss is LGBTQ, the acronym, what does it stand for? I keep throwing that word around. It's in the title of the podcast, but I have yet to actually talk about it. So what does it mean? As I mentioned, it is an acronym and it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Um, that is not the only acronym that people will use to refer to the community, nor is it the most common as far as I'm aware. Um, the most common as far as I know is LGBT. So they just don't add the Q. That one is the second oldest acronym, as long as I am not forgetting about any other ones. Uh, the first one was GLBT. They just flipped the L and the G. Not really sure why that happened. I would love to do a little educational segment on why it was changed. But as of this moment, I'm not really sure why. And also, I'm not, I don't actually know any of like the statistical things on the usage of LGBTQ versus LGBT. Um, I think, if anything, my generation, like Gen Z, uses LGBTQ more, but again, I have no idea what the statistics are on that. Anyway, another acronym that people will use to refer to the community is LGBTQIA. They add I and A for intersex and a multitude of A identities, which will be discussed today. So, the very first thing we're going to discuss within the LGBTQ community is gender identities, because I personally feel that it's easier to talk about the gender identities before the sexualities so that we can all know who fits under certain sexualities and because you know gender and sexuality are not the same thing you're going to hear me say that a lot today but like blah blah and blah blah are not the same thing because there's a lot of misconceptions so yeah you're going to hear that a lot but sexuality and gender are not the same thing they're just very interwoven with each other and I feel it is easiest to discuss the gender identities first so let us discuss the differences and definitions of sex, gender, and gender expression. Because, guess what? They're not the same thing either. They are also very interwoven and very important to each other, but they are not the same thing. So, let's get into the definitions. Sex is the label you are assigned at birth based on your anatomical features, chromosomes, and hormones. 
Most people know this as male and female, XY and XX chromosomes. Those are not the only ones. It is not just male and female. That is where intersex comes in. This definition is taken straight off of the Human Rights Campaign website. For those who don't know, the Human Rights Campaign is a very reputable and very amazing organization that is dedicated to uh, getting rights legally for LGBTQ people. Um, they're an amazing organization. You should really look into them. So this, li this definition of intersex is pulled directly off of their glossary of terms. The definition of intersex, as stated by the HRC, is intersex people are born with a variety of differences in their sex traits and reproductive anatomy. There's a wide variety of difference among intersex variations, including differences in genitalia, chromosomes, gonads, internal sex organs, hormone production, hormone response, and or secondary sex traits. So, in layman's terms, this basically means that somebody does not fit within the sex binary of male or female for various reasons. Some of the ways that this could happen is there is somebody who was born with a penis and a vagina, uh, vagina and testicles, or something like with the typical understanding of XX and XY chromosomes, somebody is completely feminine presenting in their sex, like a female reproductive system, but their chromosomes are XY. This can happen for a variety of reasons, a lot of which isn't really understood by science, as with many things in life. So yeah, sex. Already, not as, not as simple as a lot of people think it is. And now we move into gender, which, again, as I said, you're going to hear this a lot, gender does not equal sex, something that a lot of close-minded people will use as, as an excuse, despite the fact that science has disproven that sex and gender are the same thing. Gender is a societal construct surrounding our identity, usually distinguished in the past by sex, behavior, and appearance. However, it is not just dictated by your sex, it is not just dictated by your gender, by your uh, behavior and experience, er, appearance. Ah, welcome to LGBTQSU, I can't talk. <laughs> so, the behavior and appearance of you in regards to your gender is called gender expression. So that is someone how, how someone appears in behavior and appearance, which can be indicative of someone's gender, but does not always match. So some key examples of this and like the nuance of sex versus gender versus gender expression. Somebody who was a who is AFAB, which as I discussed in the last episode, is assigned female at birth and identifies as male, them wearing a dress does not negate their gender identity because gender expression does not equal gender, does not equal sex. Another example of this also is somebody who was born AMAB and identifies as male wearing a skirt does also, it also does not negate their gender identity. Someone exploring their gender expression does not immediately mean they are transgender or anything like that. Speaking of transgender, transgender is somebody whose gender does not align with their sex assigned at birth. This can also be shortened to trans, especially when talking about their full identity, because transgender, it is an identity, but being trans is more of an adjective around your gender identity is the best way to, to describe it, um, which is a very important thing that I, I will be bringing this up again when we talk about one of the sexualities that will be on the list today. Somebody who is cisgender is someone whose gender does align with their sex. This is often shortened to cis. This is another, yes, technically it is an identity, but it's more along the lines of an adjective describing their gender. So another nuance of gender identity is non-binary people. 
Someone who's non-binary is someone whose gender does not fit within the gender binary of male or female. The common belief is that it's just male and female, there's nothing else, which again, science has disproven. So someone who's non-binary does not fit within that gender binary. Some fit somewhere between, some fit across in multiple places, and some fit completely outside of the binary. Also, another thing that's very important that actually a lot of non-binary people don't know is that non-binary does fit under the trans umbrella because being transgender, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm going from male to female or I'm going from female to male. It is just someone whose gender does not align with their sex. So non-binary does fit under the trans umbrella. However, not all non-binary people, even if they know this, also identify as trans. Some people just like to stick with non-binary and don't put the trans label on themselves as well. But it is important to note that it does fit under that umbrella. Non-binary is often shorted to NB, the letters, or NB, the word, E-N-B-Y, which came from the NB letters. Um, some people actually use NB, E-N-B-Y in combination with friend to say like NB friend instead of boyfriend or girlfriend. Some people will just say partner, variety of things. So, moving on from that, but still staying in the gender, you know, context, there is gender dysphoria. So, this definition was also pulled off of the HRC website. Gender dysphoria is clinically significant distress caused when a person's assigned birth gender is not the same as the one with which they identify. This is something that can indicate to someone that they are transgender. However, there's a lot of nuance to it, which I would discuss here, but the nuance of gender dysphoria can be its own episode, and I fully plan on talking about it at some point. Anyway, gender dysphoria can indicate that someone is transgender, but there's a whole lot of nuance to it, but moving on. Um, there are also some other terms in regards to gender uh, that can describe the, uh, for lack of a better term, specifics of someone's trans identity, um, which can be really important, especially when talking about a non-binary person. Um, and those terms are transmasculine and transfeminine. So transmasculine means this person is AFAB, so assigned female at birth, but identifies with a masculine identity, such as male or non-binary, especially if their non-binary gender-affirming experience means dressing more masculinely or at the very least more androgynously. And transfeminine is the opposite, meaning this person is AMAB, assigned male at birth, but identifies with a feminine identity such as female or non-binary, especially when they're feminine or androgynous leaning. So that's really important when talking about gender-affirming care, which is the medical procedures and treatment that a trans person may seek in order to affirm their experience in their body. Some of these things may include surgeries and also hormone replacement therapy. So some of these surgeries, um, <laughs> the surgery thing is something that just, it piques a lot of cis people's interest, which frankly, I can't blame them to a certain point because, you know, it's interesting. And I think a lot of people will ask, you know, kind of invasive questions about surgery, no matter what it is, but there's a lot of invasive questions about surgeries when it comes to trans people. But one of the, one of the very common things that a lot of people will say is like, did you get the surgery or did you get a sex change? Which at least in my generation, um, again, Gen Z, it's not really referred to as sex change. It doesn't, it, the reason for that is that it often comes with a lot of negative connotation from cis people when they're asking, and it comes with a lot of judgment. So a lot of people my age don't refer to it as a sex change, but will rather refer to it, at least the kind of surgery that people are talking about when calling it a sex change is, we tend to call it bottom surgery, which 
is any gender affirming surgery that is relating to the genitals. So for a trans masculine person, that surgery may be, uh, you know, in again, for lack of a better word, turning their vagina into a penis. And for a trans feminine person, it's the opposite. Um, there's lots of different surgeries. And again, I would love to do an episode dedicated to that and all of the different avenues that trans people can go medically. But again, we're already almost ha- we're at, like halfway through the episode at this point, And I don't want to spend super long on this part. So also for surgeries, there's what's referred to as top surgery. Um, that's that term is specifically used by trans masculine people. However, I do know that some trans feminine people will use that when referring to their breast augmentation because top surgery is supposed to be a gender affirming surgery involving your chest. So for trans masculine people, that is where the fat in the breasts is removed and the torso is given a masculine chest shape. And then the other kind of gender affirming care that is at least most common um, is hormone replacement therapy or shortened to HRT. And there's a lot of slang terms that come with it. So for trans masculine people, um, they would generally go on a form of testosterone, which is something that I am on. Sometimes it's shortened to T, just the letter, not T-E-A, though a lot of people do make puns about that. Um, there's also a lot of slang terms for it, uh, like boy syrup and boy juice, <laughs> just because it, it, it makes it funny and it makes it a little more comfortable to talk about in like a friendly setting because it doesn't sound so clinical. But honestly, a lot of it doesn't even come from being uncomfortable with the term T or testosterone, just out of joking around. I call it boy syrup because for no, for anybody who has not held a vial of testosterone, it is quite thick. It, it is, it's not goopy by any means, but it's not, it's not juice. It is syrup. But anyway, so that's the slang term with that. Um, and then there's also for trans feminine people, there's estrogen. I have never seen estrogen in person. I've seen it in videos, of course. And there's lots and lots of different ways for people to administer their hormone replacement therapy, uh, be it with shots, pills, gels, patches. Um, there's like a little pill like a pod thing that you can inject into your body that like slowly releases testosterone i don't know if that's a thing for estrogen but i do know it's a thing for testosterone but again i would love to talk about that in full detail in another episode because i think it's absolutely fascinating on a like scientific level and also there's just too much to talk about in this episode so the last thing in regards to this part of my script is the definition of transphobia so The definition of transphobia is the fear or hatred of transgender people often resulting in harassment or assault against them. So this is very important to define because transphobia is something that every trans person has to deal with. Even if even if it's not like them experiencing transphobia directly, it is something that every trans person has to deal with in their like it's a part of our lives. We have to we have to deal with the reality that these things could happen to us. Before we get all sad, (laughs) uh, let's move on. Uh, So the next definition is something under the non-binary umbrella, which is gender fluid. Someone who's gender fluid is someone whose gender does not stay the same and fluctuates between many or all genders. There's there's a whole lot of nuance to it. Not like if you ask if you ask every single gender fluid person on this planet, you would be hard pressed to find two people that identify themselves in the exact same way. Even in the definition, there's nuance and there's differences because, you know, fluctuates between many or all genders. Someone who's gender fluid may identify as both male and female and fluctuate between the two. That's an example of someone who is bi-gender. That is also, from what I understand, the most common subcategory of gender fluid, but there's so many others. And 
again, like this is not an exhaustive list. And if this is something that interests you, either just on like a research level or, oh, this this sounds like me, please go please go look into it. There's so, so many identities that fit under the gender fluid thing, like under the gender fluid umbrella and also more identities that fit under non-binary, including a gender. This is one of the many a identities that I brought up earlier when discussing LGBTQIA. So someone who is agender is someone who does not have a gender or fits under any gender identity. So somebody who identifies as agender may genuinely feel they have no gender and therefore puts on that label, doesn't fit under any other ones, and this is the closest thing. They want nothing to do with gender. So many different things. So that also fits under the non-binary umbrella because they fit outside of the gender binary. The final gender identity term that we will be discussing today, again, this is not an exhaustive list, and if I don't talk about your identity, it is not because I don't respect you. It is just because I only have so much time. <laughs> um, anyway, the last gender identity that we will be discussing is queer. And this can be a gender or sexuality term. It can apply to either. It can apply to both. Depends on the person again. And also, the exact definition can change slightly depending on the person who is identifying that way. Generally speaking, someone who identifies as queer does not identify with their assigned gender, or if it's a sexuality term, they don't identify as straight. And beyond that, it that is where a lot of the nuance comes in, because it can mean they don't know the specific label, they don't want one, queer just sounds right, anything like that. I partly identify as queer. Um, so in the last episode, I had said that I identify as a bisexual or a queer trans man. This is just because, yes... I fit the definition of bisexual, but I am still kind of learning my own sexuality, and I just, sometimes I feel like bisexual doesn't fit and queer fits better, and that's okay. That's fine. You don't have to stick with the same label. You don't have to just pick the first one that seems right, and if the definition, yes, it fits, but it doesn't feel right, that's okay too. Um, so yeah, there's... Those are the gender identities that we will be discussing today, and those are some of the most important ones to know, even just to get started, and especially as a listener of this podcast. And now, we move on to sexualities, and we're going to start through the acronym of LGBTQ and then move on from there. So the first one is a lesbian. A lesbian is a woman who is sexually or romantically attracted to women. However, women and non-binary people can and do use this term. It's usually just AFAB non-binary people that use it, but I do know that some AMAB non-binary people do use the term lesbian because especially in our in our generation, there has been a lot of discussion about how like the term lesbian for some people transcends their sexuality and even comes into their identity. And they genuinely feel that their gender identity is inherently attached to their love of women. It's a whole big thing. I I did identify as a lesbian for a little bit. I do like to joke that I have been every part of the acronym because I have. <laughs> but as someone who is not a lesbian, I and I'm not super intimately familiar with all of the different nuance of that term. I don't want to discuss it yet. I would love to have somebody on here that is intimately familiar with it, especially somebody that does not fit the general, you know, woman part of the identity. The next in the acronym is gay. This is someone who is sexually or romantically attracted to the same gender. This does include lesbians, but lesbian does not include gay men. Honestly, not really sure why or how that happened where lesbians have their own label, but gay men don't. Not that I'm upset about it or anything, but I would love to do a little history lesson with you guys to find that out. Anyway, 
Uh, the more clinical name for a gay person is homosexual. Um, and it's just, it means the same thing. It's someone who is attracted to the same gender, um, which is also where the term homophobia comes in. This is the fear or hatred of homosexuals often resulting in harassment or assault against them. This is another thing that all homosexual people have to deal with. Everybody in the queer community has to deal with it because homophobia, it's, yes, the prefix is homo and it does like it is in its own definition if you're looking at like the latin and the prefixes it does just mean homosexuals however a lot of people do just refer to any kind of discrimination against the queer community as homophobia just honestly out of ease of communication moving on from there into further into the acronym is bisexual this is someone who is sexually or romantically attracted to two or more genders there has been a lot of history with the term bisexual and it began as just being being attracted to men and women because bi means two and they were implying you know both but when common knowledge of the gender binary expanded it became known as two or more given the prefix the specifics of somebody's bisexuality really depend on the person as it could mean they are attracted to all genders men and women you know for example women and non-binary people many other combinations even if it's just two genders they're attracted to it does not just have to be men and women which is another very common misconception the last definition of a phobia i will give here is biphobia because that is very relevant um also in the next definition for uh, sexuality it's the fear or hatred of bisexuals often resulting in harassment or assault a lot of this actually does come from the queer community unfortunately there is a lot of bi erasure in the community and a lot of biphobia is from example for example like from lesbians who don't want to be with a woman who's been with another man and it's it's insane the amount of biphobia in the community and it's absolutely terrible being gay does not exclude you from being homophobic being trans does not exclude you from being transphobic <coughs> caitlin jenner um and being trans does not exclude you from being homophobic you know and also vice versa like a lot of gay men are very transphobic against trans men it's a huge thing but that's the last phobia definition I'll give, simply because if you add phobia to the prefix of any sexuality, it's a consistent definition. You just have to change the type of people that the hatred is being aimed towards. Biphobia, it's a very prevalent subject when it comes to the definition of pansexual. Someone who is pansexual is someone who is attracted to all genders. There are debates on whether this identity inherently means with or without a preference or just liking all genders. Again, it depends on who you ask. There are other identities that specify this but not going to go into them all in this episode so the reason it's a very hot topic with bisexuals and pansexuals is because there's a lot of debate of whether pansexuals are erasing bi people or if bisexuals are transphobic this comes from the idea that some people will assume that bisexual means you're attracted to men and women and pansexual means you're also attracted to trans people which is where the fact that trans is an adjective more than anything else comes into play because you you can't like being a trans man is not like it's different to being a cis man but they're both still men liking like having a sexuality that defines them as two separate things that is transphobic however that is that is not what it that is not what it is and also the thing that bis you know bisexuals are transphobic because they don't like trans people or pansexuals are erasing bi people because they don't like the term or whatever Neither of those things are true. Of course, you can be pansexual and erasing bi people, and you can be bisexual and transphobic, but it's not inherently linked. It is not because of their identity. So yeah, those are the two hot-button sexualities that get 
a lot of hate from each other and from other people. Moving on, another sexuality that gets a lot of crap from the queer community especially is asexual. Asexual people are people who do not experience sexual attraction or very little if they do. There is a wide spectrum of, of asexuality. Some of those people on the spectrum have a specific identity such as gray sexual or demisexual. A gray sexual person is somebody who experiences very little sexual attraction. And a demisexual person is somebody who experiences sexual attraction but only after developing a deep bond with that person. So, you know, a lot of people will see somebody on the street and be sexually attracted to them without knowing anything about them. Somebody who's demisexual does not feel that way. They will only gain sexual attraction for somebody after developing a bond with them, usually over a long period of time. And all of these asexual identities can be paired with other sexualities. This is when the terms like homoromantic, panromantic, aromantic came into the conversation because um, those indicate romantic attraction towards specific types of people. This is often used in combination with asexual. Um, you know, for example, if somebody is asexual but romantically attracted to, to men and they're, all, they're a man as well, they would be homoromantic asexual. However, you can also use a different romantic label to your sexual label, even if you're not asexual. For example, someone can be homoromantic and bisexual, which is what I thought I was for quite a while. Um, so that would be somebody that is only romantically, uh, romantically r attracted to people of the same gender, but sexually attracted to like many types of people and any other combination. Generally speaking, a lot of people will just say something like bisexual, homosexual, and imply both sexual and romantic attraction um, just for ease of co communication and that's also just how like the the romantic attract the romantic identities came into play after the sexual identities so I I think people just don't feel the need to sep you know distinguish um, but if the romantic attraction is specified then the sexual identity just indicates sexual attraction so those are the sexualities that you should know so let's just finish up with the other queer terms that you should know uh, the first one that we will discuss is pronouns. Guess what? Contrary to popular belief, everyone has pronouns, even cis people. Everyone uses pronouns because a pronoun is a word used to replace proper nouns, aka a name, in a sentence that also indicates someone's gender. The three that are most commonly used are he, him, his, she, her, hers, and they, them, theirs. Important note, oftentimes when someone shares their pronouns, they'll just say the first two, such as he, him, like when I introduce myself, just for ease, and it, it, it implies the full spectrum of masculine pronouns. Um, there are also other pronouns, often referred to as neo-pronouns, meaning new pronouns. It is very popular in the autistic community um, for reasons that I will not go into this episode. If I do, because as far as I know, I'm not autistic, but... Though, frankly, there's a little bit of debate about that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so some examples of neo-pronouns would be zizim or zizir. Often, a lot of people will only use them online just out of fear of being discriminated against in person, um, but they do exist. Uh, some people also have pronouns like he, they, or they, she. This indicates that this person uses multiple pronouns. However, how to use those pronouns differs between each person. Sometimes that means that they want you to use a combination. Sometimes it means they primarily use the first, which is very common if it's they, anything else, such as they, she. Generally, that does that is used to say, I like they, them pronouns, but she, her is okay too. Um, and sometimes people just want you to pick. Generally, as in my experience, that is the least commonly used uh, you know, method of 
using pronouns, but it does it does happen. Always ask if you're unsure. And also, if you are ever unsure of somebody's pronouns, use they, them. It is a neutral pronoun, and yes, it can be re- used to refer to a singular person. Merriam-Webster and other very established dictionaries have that defined. You can use they, them as in a gender-neutral setting, and it's not grammatically incorrect. No close-minded people, you can't keep using that excuse anymore. <laughs> so, if you're ever confused in someone's pronouns, use they, them. However, there's another note here. If somebody tells you their pronouns, use them. Don't continue to use they, them just as a neutral because it comes across like you are completely ignoring the fact that they told you their pronouns. And it it does come off as disrespectful. So if you don't know, use they, them. If you do know, use the right ones. Kind of related to the pronoun subject is the topic of misgendering. So, So when you misgender someone, this is when you assume or state someone's gender incorrectly, either intentionally or accidentally whether it's intentional or uh, by mistake, it still hurts. It still sucks. Um, Some of the ways that people do this is misusing pronouns, grouping somebody by the wrong gender, and many other things. It is incredibly hurtful and very disrespectful to someone to misgender them, especially when it's intentional. And also, for the most part, trans people can tell when you do it on purpose. So if you ever do it by mistake, don't freak out. Just correct yourself, apologize, and move on. A lot of trans people, myself especially included, don't want people to make a really big deal when they misgender someone because then it puts it, it can put them on the spot and make, put them in the spotlight and it's, it can be really uncomfortable. So if you misgender someone by mistake, just apologize and move on. And if you really feel the need, you can apologize more in private. Um, So yeah, that's misgendering. The last one that we will discuss today is slurs. This is a hot topic, and it's not just a topic among the queer community. It is a topic among basically every single minority out there. So a slur is a word that is used against a specific minority enough that it becomes completely associated with them and is derogatory. Queer actually began as a slur, and some people do still consider it a slur against them. I do not consider it such and actually consider it one of my identities, which is why I use it. But if someone in my life were to express, hey, I don't like that term, please don't use it around me, then I won't. That's fine. It is really important to know that it is still a slur to a lot of LGBT people. And, you know, don't just go throwing that term around willy-nilly, especially if you're not also part of the LGBT community. Because whether or not you mean it in a negative way, it comes off really bad. (laughs) Um, There are other slurs. I'm not going to say them, obviously. um, But... They include the D slur against lesbians, the F slur against any queer person, and the T slur against trans people. If you really need to know what they are, you can Google them. I don't want to say them here, Um, especially because I'm pretty sure they'd be against guidelines, so I will not say them. Some LGBT people are okay using, like, saying certain slurs against themselves and see it as liberating, myself included. Of course, only in regards to slurs that have been used against them because you can't reclaim a slur that's not yours. Some people will use them against themselves, and maybe you might even hear them use it amongst their friends. That isn't an invitation for you to use it as well. If you would like to use it, ask that person, but unless you're also queer, I don't suggest asking someone because that's like asking for the N-word pass, which is really not cool. (laughs) Like, that really does not go over well with most people. Um, 
So even if you hear an LGBT person calling themselves or maybe even their friends consensually a slur, that is not an invitation for you to use that if you aren't also queer. So that actually kind of wraps up our episode. I hope that helps make a lot of people feel more comfortable and, you know, more knowledgeable. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you knew all these things already. And that's awesome. That's great. Like, good for you. That means that the public is more educated than they were before. Also, of course, if I said something wrong, if you have a contrary opinion or like I said something that's hurtful, of course, please tell me. I did get the I did get the Instagram running. It was in the description of the last episode, but I will also put it in this description too. Um, so please, of course, message me on there if you have any concerns, um, or if you just ever want to talk, because you know that's that's also fine too. Um, yeah, but that wraps up this episode. Just like last time, don't know what the episode's going to be about, but I'll figure it out by next weekend. So have a good night, and I will see you next week. <laughs>